Grace be unto you this evening and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be in the house of the Lord again this evening. I call this the house of the Lord. It's the sanctuary we've gathered here collectively as a, a group of people in this assembly from a lot of different places and churches. And uh, I was again impressed being here this evening. Uh, I could have just indulged in what was happening a few moments ago with the 3540 youth up here. And it's something that we're going to have. I can never finish saying that, my friends. It's what we're going to be having in heaven. We're going to be singing in heaven. This thing of old-fashioned preaching is going to come to an end. Hallelujah. But we're going to be singing throughout ages. And I trust this evening that you may be sitting here tonight and you say, well, I can't carry a tune in a bushel basket. That's okay. When we get to glory, you know what? All of us are going to be able to sing good. I believe that. A new song. God's going to just put that in us. And uh, the reason I was humming is because I didn't really know the words. And somebody asked one time, why did the bees hum? Because they don't know the words. But, you know, there's a beautiful melody in the beehive. And uh, it's a special thing that God has put there. So this evening, when Jesus Christ comes back, will he find faith upon the earth? And I trust he will. If Jesus Christ came back tonight, I know he would find faith on the earth. Because I see the evidence of that here underneath the four wall of this tent this evening, that there is faith. There are people here with faith. And this evening, the thing of it is, so many times we think that we need a lot of faith. My friends, tonight, I believe if we have a spark of faith, that God can, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, can take that faith and He can multiply it. He can multiply it. He's in the business of multiplying and adding. He never subtracts. He never divides. It's always abundantly and above all we ask and think. That's exactly what it is. And so tonight, if you have a spark of faith, take that. You know, there's times when people say, I just don't believe I have enough faith for that. My friends, tonight, that is, I do believe, something that we, we, we try to have this false humility and we don't boast the fact that we have so much great a faith. But if you have a little bit of faith tonight, I do believe that if you have your faith in the right thing, you're go, things are going to happen. It doesn't matter. You know, you say, well, you know, your faith isn't as big as the, the saints of old and so forth. My friends, if you have a spark of faith, that's what you need. And when Jesus Christ comes back tonight, whether you have what you call yourself a lot of faith or a little faith, I believe he's going to bless it. Now, I realize Jesus told his disciples, oh, ye of little faith. But tonight, I believe that we don't want to stay in a stagnant position. The Christian life is not static. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe it took faith to get there. It took faith to get there. And as we got there, we don't stay there. He takes us on a journey, and we grow, and we, we love Him. And the more that we, time we spend with Him, the stronger we will become. And the more settled in our faith we will become, I believe. You know, we heard this evening when we were praying, praying. Tonight, you know, when Jesus Christ comes back, will he find faith upon the earth? And I had to think, you know, there's people we pray for. You know, there was a man in our congregation that was in a different state. He went out in a different state, and we had set up a CAM base there. And there we were, and um, I didn't like the situation when I left. Uh, I was just a young bishop of about a year, and uh, I had talked to different ones about it. But we left a young man there. And he was by himself. He was by himself as far as from our people. He was there. And we had done our thing for two weeks and we were going home. We'd set up base for CAM. It was for the forest fires in California. This young man come out there. And he was to continue the work until we get crews there. And the thing of it is, you know, we didn't have a lot of room there. There was a double wide there. And I don't know how many of you were there, but thank you, brother. But there, uh, there was an office there that there was another into the uh, Salvation Army, Red Cross, or I think Samaritan's Purse was there. We all shared the same building. Well, this young man was in there with a woman, and there he was in this office. They offered that we could share that with him, and it was generous of him, but I didn't feel good. There was something, I don't know if you ever know what it means to have a gut feeling. I didn't have a good gut feeling, and I left. And uh, we went home, and it wasn't long we got the word that this young man had fallen into sin. This young man had eventually caused the lady that was secretary in the same building, the same room he was, to divorce her husband. And this man married her. 
Brother Raymond Barkman from Ohio and I were out several different times to try to work with this young man. It was, seemed like it was to no avail. That was many years ago. And to this day, we still pray for him every day. We on the bulletin in the church, we have a little card that says, pray for this brother every day. And somebody asked me, when are, why do we continue to pray for him? Why not? Why not? Are there people that have wavered and strayed and fallen into sin and have not repented? Are you giving up on them? Or are you still praying for them? I believe that's the faith that Jesus is talking about. When he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? A faith that is enduring. One that will not give up. With tears, with a burden, my friends. As soon as we lose the burden for the lost, we cease to bless. That's just the way it is, my friends. That's the way it is. So I trust that you will continue to pray. And I called this man. It was the hardest thing I did. The first thing that I did as far as in any officiation type of a service after I was ordained bishop was to excommunicate this man. And it wasn't a hard thing to do because it was something that was sin and it was blatant. It was outright and unrepented of. It was not easy. It should never be easy to be excommunicating any of our number. But the Bible does give us direction if that's needful that we do so with grace and with strength and firmness upon the authority of the Scripture. It's not our own, it's not our own thinking or whatever, but it's the authority of the Word of God. And you know, I tried to call that man many times, and he'd never answered his phone. And it was about 14 years later, he called me one day out of the blue. And I seen it was a number from out west. And I answered it, and here it was him. And he said, Can I, I'm coming to Missouri, could I go out for breakfast with you? And I said, well, I, I tell you what, we're, we're, uh, I, I don't know exactly where I was at that morning. Didn't suit very well, but I did meet with him. And we had a good time. We had a, a good, enjoyable visit. I didn't know what he was going to be telling me. He's a member now of some other congregation. The church that he uh, started to attend uh, gave him clearance to go ahead and marry. And then uh, several years later, him and this lady divorced after they had a son. And I was afraid that's what's going to happen. But they didn't, they didn't belong with each other the, but anyway. And so why, why do we apologize for it? Why we're sorry they should have been not together anyway. And so we don't like it because of children, but breakups and so forth. But we had a good visit. And I do believe that the openness that he shared with me that day, I don't know where it's going to go. But he's single now. He's not living with another lady. Uh, he, 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 uh, he's there with his son, 12-year-old son. And the thing of it is, I don't know where it's going to go from here, but I do believe that if we continue to pray, God will have mercy, but he will make a choice. He will have to make a choice. We cannot do for him. But we can pray, and that is, we say, the least we can do, that's the most we can do, is pray. Tonight, I'm grateful to be here and have a crowd here of more of a, just a bit of a younger blood tonight. Except I understand there's a newlywed couple sitting on the outside in the minivan. I wonder what they're doing tonight. I believe they're in their 80s. Be careful out there. But anyway, there's newlyweds out here. And I don't know, if there wouldn't have been weddings ever, we wouldn't be here tonight, would we? If there never was a, 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 never was a girl and a boy that came together and enjoyed each other's company and presence, my friends, we wouldn't be together. And as a little boy, I was growing up. And there was not one time did it ever enter my mind that we are going to be living in an age while I see it. I never even thought about it. That the marriage is going to be under attack like it is today. Marriage. Can you imagine? The Bible says one man and one woman for life. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, it says that it was not good for man to be alone and God created him for him a helpmeet. You know, man was not created for woman, but woman was created for man as a helpmeet. People say, I wonder what that means, a helpmeet. Meat, it means something that's suitable for the man, something that it's needful for the man. It's something that the man needs. A little girl in Sunday school class, her name was Anita, the teacher asked her. He said, uh, when, do you think, when do you think you're going to get married? She says, I don't know. She says, God kind of plans all those things. 
And by the time I get to the age of marriage, I'm just kind of stuck whoever he's got for me. My friends, tonight, I don't believe it's that way. I believe God does have someone for someone. You know, I don't believe that everybody is called for marriage. I don't believe that. Tonight, if you're single here, and maybe God has got that for you to be single all your life, and you believe that that is the ministry that you have, then God would bless you. I pray that you would take that seriously. The Bible does say in Corinthians, it talks there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says there in about verse 30 and 31, it says there that we are, if God calls us to be single, that we shall take that because it allows our ministry to be undistracted. As the Apostle Paul said, that he believes that all men should be like as he are, and yet he's not telling them that they shouldn't. But he's saying that he desired that all men would be like he is, that they could be in a ministry. My friends, tonight, if God calls you to a lifelong ministry and you feel that's the way it is, and you would do injustice to your wife or your husband if you were in ministry, then God is calling you and you take and be faithful to that. Be faithful to that. You know, I think of I think of young men, especially but when we think about courtship and dating, I'm going to be using the two terms tonight interchangeably. And the thing with courtship and dating, you know, men are the ones, the young boys are the ones most generally takes the leadership. And so I'm going to be talking to you young men a lot tonight, but also to the sisters, young sisters. But there was a man in the Old Testament by the name of Samson. And I'll tell you, my friends, if a carnal man, if a carnal young boy, if a carnal person is denied of something that he desires to fulfill the lust of his flesh, he does mighty crazy things. We remember the story there. He desired to have the daughter of a tenant. And it says there he was denied that woman. And what did he do? She was a Philistine. And he went and took foxes. The Bible says in, in chapter 16, I believe it is, in Judges it says, he took the 300 foxes, he tied their tails together, he put firebrands on them and turned them out in the corn. And it burned all the shocks, it says, and the standing corn, and the olive trees, it says, and the vineyards. It was destruction. And the Philistine rose up, what shall we do here? This man had a mission and it was denied him. He desired this woman. His mom and dad didn't want him to have her. Do you have to go out to the Philistines that are not one of our own to find a partner? He says, get her for me because she pleases me. There was another time, my friends, this young man, he was in the town there and there he was and they were going to trap him. They wanted this beast. They wanted this man. He had a power that they didn't know of. But he was hedging on that which God had given him. He was using the grace he had against himself, my friends. There he was inside the city at night. They were going to trap him. It says he lay down to sleep. He got up about midnight. He goes out. He sees these gates and he rips some gates out. And he takes in. This man had something in him that I don't believe any of us have. There was something, if, it, if we have it, we don't have a degree that he, that he did. He grabbed those gates. And I believe, and it doesn't say in the Bible, I believe those gates weighed some five, five it was it 5,000 pounds? Tremendously a lot of weight. And not just the gates, he pulled the posts out with him. And he carries them out, and it wasn't just five or six miles out on the hill. He carried them for many miles and threw them on the side of the hill. A young man, a, a person that is given to carnality and he's denied something to fulfill the lust of the flesh in his life will do mighty strange things. Young men, don't do that. You know, you might have your eye on a certain girl and that might be denied for some reason. Then is the time to sit down and evaluate and take inventory of our own lives and see where we're at tonight. And we need to see where we're at in light of God's word and make adjustments that we need to. Turn your Bibles if you care to. I'd like to read a psalm tonight. I'd like to read, not a psalm, I'd like to read a proverb. It's a chapter, chapter. Psalms don't have chapters. Proverbs chapter 3 I'd like to begin reading this evening. And I'd like to read tonight, it's going to be mostly to the young men. This is what it's addressed to. 
I'd like to read uh, beginning here and probably just reading to probably verse 20. It says in chapter 3, My son, forget not the law, but let not, it says, thy, but let thy heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Where else does it say that? We've been using it this week some. Mercy and truth. That just stuck out to me just now. Where else did we read that this week? Psalm 85. It says, let mercy and truth meet together. Balance. Mercy to the extreme is compromise. Truth to the extreme is legalism. Somewhere in the middle. And then righteousness and peace have kissed each other. It says there in Psalm 85. You can write it down. But anyway, here we have it. Mercy and truth. We have not forsake. Bind them about thy neck. And write them upon the, it says, the table of thy heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. Young, young men, would you take this to heart tonight? So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not upon thy own understanding or thy own desires, or thy own carnal desire, or thinking, it says here, but it says that in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And it says he shall direct your path, your path. Give you wisdom. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. I believe these are some of the, the attributes that the young sisters are going to be looking for in young men. I'm going to be pl talking plainly tonight about some of these things. These are things that are real. They must happen. You know, I'm one that can go home. Your pastors aren't sharing that with you tonight. And I didn't bring a new doctrine. I'm here to substantiate and encourage the church and be a part of the arm of the church and support what they have here. If I preach anything that is not scriptural, I want to be admonished on that, okay? Honor the Lord with all thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst, it says, out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, it says, neither be weary of correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man, the Bible says, that findeth wisdom, and it says the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise uh, it is of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than gold. She is, this is talking about wisdom, she is more precious than rubies. And all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. This is wisdom, my young men. This is the thing that young sisters are going to be looking for, a man of integrity. Let uh, length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand is riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And you're thinking right now of a woman is actually talking about wisdom. But we often think about it when we talk about her ways. It says her ways are pleasant, and her ways are peace, paths of peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold of her. That lay hold of her, she's a tree of life. Something that gives shade is something beautiful, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, it says. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, it says, he says the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down dew like they are now. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Wisdom and discretion. Tonight, we want wisdom and discretion. And I trust that we are going to have that from here on out tonight. We are sitting here as a young crowd tonight. But are there other people here, older people? This will be for everyone. You know, we're sitting here tonight, and there may be a possibility there's someone here of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. You know, they have regrets in their courtship. I don't know if you could ask anyone here for a raise of hands that doesn't absolutely have an impeccable courtship. And they have no regrets. You know, we'd ask for a raise of hands. I wonder how many would go up. I know I can't put my hand up. God spared me from so many things. But it wasn't a perfect courtship. My wife could tell you that. Let me tell you, my young people, the things that you indulge in now, 
the things that you are involved in and let yourself into by little compromises here and little compromises there. But one day, my friend, I'm afraid you will wake up and you wish it, and it usually doesn't happen until after marriage if God brings it that far. And maybe God forbid that it even should come to that point. But my friends, young boys, we don't just go out and we court a girl and date them just in a casual way, really, because, you know, young people say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I understand. I've been there. I know. And the thing of it is, sometimes we, I know our young people think we're too hard on them. And, you know, the line is too straight or whatever. But let me tell you, you know, it's a safeguard in a lot of ways. Because, young men, I'll tell you tonight that if you take the liberties with a young girl and she's not your property, my friends, let me tell you that. The thing of it is, you take your liberties with a young woman and you get her emotionally attached. Us men are men that aren't as easily attached to a woman as a woman is to a man. We play on emotions. And I'll tell you, that is scary business. And when we do that, we are tampering with something that's very precious. Our young sisters and older sisters tonight are the queens in our midst tonight, and we want to treat them as queens. And if we have the integrity as we read about here in Proverbs 3, we're going to treat them like queens. And then in return, I believe, with that regard and that respect and that reservation and that unfamiliarity and all of those things, then I believe that we're going to be worthy of respect. We're going to be worthy. But we have to prove ourselves. Someone asked a little girl a question in a Sunday school class. This was another Sunday school class. It says, uh, is it better for uh, a person to be single or married? And a little eight-year-old popped up and she said, well, she thinks it's good for girls if they want to be single. But boys, they need somebody to come behind them and clean up the mess. <laughs> she must have had brothers. And, you know, if our wives, uh, if our girlfriend, if whoever is going to be that for us, then we've got the wrong focus. The wrong focus. The wrong focus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, that marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers will be judged. They will come into judgment. It also says in the scripture, even though the Apostle Paul said that he would desire that all men would be like he is, Single for ministry, but he does go on and say that if a man cannot contain himself, that they, it would be better that they would marry than to burn. And I believe you all know what I mean by that. It is something that I believe that is, uh, is, is important to consider. Uh, it's not good for man to be alone, although tonight, if you are single, God bless you. God did not call everyone to be married. I do believe that. Um, I believe if it's a possibility, uh, if there's opportunity, those uh, possibilities uh, become real, real sometimes that we have uh, the opportunity to get married and so forth. Uh, but God is, uh, God is one that's not going to come to you and just tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what, this uh, girl or this boy is for you. And we wonder sometimes in, in going through courtship and uh, going through uh, teenage years and in our 20s, and we think that, uh, well, I wonder I, who God has for me. And is, is, uh, is the person I have in mind really who God wants me to have? And so we start second-guessing ourselves. But, you know, there's, there's direction given. You know, there's not a lot of just dust and dust in the Bible about courtship and marriage. But there's a lot of principle there. A lot of principle in that. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't realize that marriage is not just marriage and it's, it's, it's always going to be that way. But we live in a, in a tremendously dysfunctional, if I can say, culture. We live in a time as it was in Nero's time in Rome. Nero was what we would call bi. And I'll tell you what, my friends, if I see a young a girl and a young boy together and in the Lord, in the will of God, my heart rejoices because they are almost in an extinct number. And then we've got this thing that's called 
LBGTEXYZ, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's nasty. And it talks about it in Romans chapter 1. We have people that are delving in that, and if a person looks at that and he gives himself into that, my friends, God created that person the way he did for his gender expression. And if he does anything other than that, he is saying, basically, there is no God. And I hate myself. There are people that are actually having little children today in these big cities that have adopted that type of lifestyle. They call it alternative lifestyle. Let me tell you, my friend, they're not even giving their children boys or girls' name. Why? Because they're going to wait until they get old enough and make that decision themselves what gender they are. You say, brother, you shouldn't be talking like this in a multitude like this, in an assembly that doesn't, this is hard on their ears. Let me tell you, my friends, I believe when divorce and remarriage was out there in the 60s and it started creeping in in the 70s, we didn't think it would ever get here, my friends. And now it's commonplace with people that know better. And I'll, I don't take anything for granted. I'm not a witch hunter, but on the revival meetings or anywhere I go, in our own congregation, it doesn't matter if it's two or three or 100, 600 or 1,000 people. I don't take anything for granted. I don't know, I don't know your hearts tonight. But my friends, let me tell you, when Jesus Christ comes back, will he find faith on the earth? And that is part of that, my friends. Every great nation that adopted that lifestyle fell, fell to the ground. The United States is already destroyed, my friends. Internally, we just haven't been overtaken because I believe our allegiance with Israel. But that's, I'm not going to get into eschatology tonight. But that's one thing that I do believe that God has stated. Tonight I'd like to share just briefly with you of a few things of courtship and dating. I believe it's God's plan. You know, when God created man, he created a woman. He created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. He created that man and woman would be together for life. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5, in the last part of that, it says that they are to cleave to one another. That cleaving, that means as a lamination. If you look up what that means in the Greek, it means as a driver's license. It's the product is in there and it's sealed tight. And you, to, in order to tear that, you would have to destroy that license. It's as laminations. The two shall become one, one flesh. And when we think of courtship and dating, what goes through our mind when we think about that? What do we think about when we think of that? Do we think, do we even think in terms of the future? Or are we living in the day? Are we living in what feels good for me? When we talk about courtship and dating in our culture today, it's laughed at, it's scorned. They don't understand language like that. You'll hear language like one night stands. You'll hear language like hooking up. And those are all casual statements. But I do believe that a godly, and I'm going to be talking I'm not sure which night. I don't know. I, I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it yet. But the thing of the two kingdoms, it has been on my mind the last few days. And I don't know what God has for us on that. But we want to support one another as a young girl and young boy together. As we walk down the street, that we are portraying a godliness and a holiness. And we are complimenting each other by the way we do things, the things we talk about, the way we conduct ourselves, what we wear, and so forth. We're looking at purity before marriage. We're looking at purity before courtship. And we're looking at purity during courtship. We're looking at purity after marriage. Oh, well, we're married. Everything's going to be okay. My friends, if you do not take the principle stand as Daniel did in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, my young people, friends, it says there that he was, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. If you have not nailed that down in your heart, my young person tonight, before you start courtship, the time will come that you'll regret you didn't. Once you have not nailed that down before courtship, it's going to be virtually impossible to do it after. 
That's integrity. All of us have a belief system. All of us do. Unless that belief system is grounded, there's a possibility we will fall. God had a plan from the beginning. It was rather simple. It was that man and women, men and women, <coughs> says God, the men and women, meeting together, getting to know one another, getting married for life, having children. Oh, that sounds mundane. It sounds like that's a boring thing to do, like every other generation has done. God has created us for the propagation of the human race and to bring glory to Him and to raise families for Him. Godly families, and we try to do that to the best of our abilities and understanding, and then we find that we fall short. But God is good, and He's faithful. We want to teach the next generation godly virtues, and the process repeats itself. That is God's plan. The how to do all this is not necessarily written thus by thus in the Bible. You're going to pardon me tonight because I've got a lot of stuff written down here. We will meet individuals while we're growing up, and we will think, is that the person that I want? Is that the person God has, me, has for me? Uh, we may be attracted to some people more than others, and this tr attraction, I believe, is God-given. I disagree with, um, I, don't, I shouldn't say I disagree, I question sometimes when I have heard uh, preachers talk about the fact that a man or a boy and a girl could just kind of walk up together and it didn't really sound like there's any chemistry there or no feelings there and somehow they're supposed to make it work throughout life. Well, with God, all things are possible. <laughs> I don't want to make light of that. But I do believe that there is, and I think if you, would, if you were honest with me from the bottom of your heart, you would recognize that there's usually some attraction I'm not talking about sparks flying. Sometimes young people, you know, they see each other and it's like, oh, love at first sight. And sparks begin to fly. And there's things that go on that shouldn't. And it's just a casual thing. Maybe you'll never meet again or who knows. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. I'm going to give a lot of admonition tonight. I trust you can take it from me. Rather me than your home preachers, I'm going back home next week, Lord willing. And they'll be staying here. But trust that you will respect your home ministry in the teaching that they teach you with. This attraction actually is God-given. It's a God-given thing. In these cases, we should pursue the friendship if there is mutual attraction. I wrote down, pursue the friendship. Okay? That is before the first question is asked. Pursue the friendship. Is everybody okay with that? Would that be good? To pursue the friendship. Okay? If there's mutual attraction, there will be a growing friendship between the individual and the families. The friendship should be maintained unless there is a discovery of character flaws that are not corrected and addressed, those can be taken care of. But if they're not taken care of, then it should probably come to an end. But the thing that I say of mutual friendship and to cultivate that and to do that with the boy or girl's family, I think is very, very important. It gives an understanding and a trust. A young boy can do a lot by courting the girl's Parents, have you ever heard that? I think you have. I think it's a good thing. Uh, when I was growing up, I never heard that. I just asked my wife, and she said yes, you know. And uh, it was a good, good, cool thing. And, you know, mom and dad kind of found out later. God forbid. You know, I think sometimes in the, in the ages past, we did not have the teaching that we do today. And there were, there were errors. And it wasn't necessarily that the young people were just bad. It was just like, it just wasn't the way they did. But I'm grateful for the way that there's interest showing in respectful young men with integrity that they actually go to the daddy of the girl and they talk to him about it. 
That is so mature. And even in that, the possibilities are that there's no compatibility. But then the young girl must understand, why is it not a compatibility? Is it just that I don't like him or I don't like his parents? If the young man has a character that is impeccable and I know they're growing and not everything's perfect, but neither is it at 60 years old. But if, they, if there's something that they've been made aware of, that there's shortfall or shortcoming, and they have, they have proved themselves, and then maybe it's something we can continue to look at and to go on, and maybe it will develop into something. Usually a, a friendship where those uh, things are uh, taken care of, culminate into marriage, uh, at least there's a possibility and potentials there for the reality of marriage. But dating and courtship have existed in many different ways for the years and years and years. You know, if you think, young people tonight, that you're a little bit restricted in your home or your congregation or, or uh, the preachers would want you to do it this way or that way, just think for a moment there's a lot of marriages that were arranged marriages in the past. And I don't know how all that worked out. But in Italy, my friends, is it in Italy, I believe it is, that most of the weddings today even are arranged and the divorce rate is way low. Why? I think they've learned to love each other. Parents will choose a son or daughter and uh, they get married. Aren't you glad you don't have to do that anymore? You don't have to go to dad and say, find me a girl. You don't want your dad to find you a girl or you don't want your dad to find you a woman, you know, a man. But today's romantic relationships, the way that we have it today is that this is the way I would like to share it with you. Maybe I'm wrong in saying it, but that the relationship is in the will of God when there is a fear of God. Um, it may be not exactly the person that you thought, but if there's a compatibility and there's attraction and there is uh, integrity, then I do believe that is an expression of the fear of God and then we can be in the will of God. I do believe that. Um, but as far as attraction, I know of people that have said, you know what, I have lived in the same community as boy this girl has for many years, and I was never really attracted to her or, her, or to him. But there was, a, there was an opportunity that something happened, that maybe the young people were together doing something uh, on a... Friday evening or afternoon, and uh, there was some uh, friendship developed, uh, maybe sharing something, or uh, and there was a spark there, and it was like, wow, I didn't know that this possibility is right here, right here in my own community, right here in in my own youth group, and you know what? They start uh, a friendship, and finally it's into courtship, and finally they're dating. And, you know, it seems it's working out. And I have seen and heard of that. You know, uh, my wife and I grew up together. I knew her as long as I knew anyone. We went to the same university together. I mean, uh, eighth grade. And uh, we, uh, we, uh, she's a little younger than I am, but she didn't like me very good. And uh, she was this cute little girl running around. And I never, she was just a cute little girl. She just still is. But, you know, the thing of it is, <laughs> 36 years. But, you know, we played around this playground at school and uh, ride home on the bus together, and I never thought about marrying her. But there was something that uh, I've seen in her, and I don't think she's seen as much in me as I've seen in her, but I've seen in her something that was unique and something that was beautiful, and I wanted more of that. Uh-huh. I wanted that to get her for me. <laughs> So we, we started courting. Of course, we courted a horse and buggy. We had a lot of time to sing and, and so forth. Uh, our courtship wasn't perfect. I'll just confess to that tonight. But God spared us from a lot of things. And I trust tonight as young people, uh, you may not even know that who God has for you may be right in your midst. You don't know. I'm not here to make matches tonight. I trust nobody is. God alone will do that. God alone will do that. Um, 
But if you're here tonight and you have wished for a young man or a young woman to get to know and just the possibility, you know, it's the opportunity just has never availed itself. And maybe there's just not a coming together. It just seems like, is there anyone for me? You know, wait on the Lord. I say, dear brother or dear sister, if God has not shown you and there has not been a mutual attraction of some kind, I believe that rather than pushing the door open and doing something that you would later regret, time is on your side. Time is a tremendous asset. But the pushing the doors open and trying to run ahead of God, running ahead, can be a tremendous liability. I know of young women that have tried to get this man. They want this boy. They want this boy for whatever reason. Maybe he's got a hot car. That's a very shallow way of starting a courtship. A hot car. I don't read that in the Bible either. But neither do I read cool things in the Bible. But they got married and the marriage didn't turn out good. And the woman wished she'd never married. Oh, that's a sad scenario. When you come together on superficial things, when you come together on the works of the flesh, that is a very, very, very shaky foundation. Never, never, ever do that. Never be attracted to a boy. He may have a nice car and, uh, or a pickup, and there's nothing wrong with that, I believe. But if that's his focus, beware. Boys like that. Girls like vanity. People say, oh, my time is here to close. I'm not even starting. People say oftentimes, what's a good time to get married or start dating, courting? I, I can't answer that for you. I believe as parents, we need to be teaching our children from little up and preparation for that time. If that was God's plan for the propagation of the human race and he's seen that marriage was good, that they come together, then we need to train up a generation in a way that is prepared for that. So it may be different in your household, your congregation. I know of uh, a boy, uh, 25 years old, wanted to start dating a girl that was 17. And uh, he courted the parents, and the parents and, and him had a tremendous good uh, relationship. And uh, they would have rather he waited until he was 18. And uh, now they're engaged to get married, and they will be married, Lord willing, when she's 19 next year. And so there is a respect when mom and dad are considered. And I appreciate that about our congregations anymore. We do that more than we used to. I grew up in an old order setting, an old order Amish setting. Uh, there's more of that even there in that community now than there was 40 years ago. And so I'm grateful for that. And so I can't tell you when the time is. I think your parents will know. You will know. And uh, I believe maturity has a lot to do with it. Parent involvement is so important. But develop trust. I think that is something that is so important and integrity in young men. Maintain absolute integrity in every way in your personal life. Submit to proper authority that God has placed over you. And young girls, you will see that in young men. And you will, you will have your eyes open. You will see that. You will detect uh, proper authority that God has placed over you in your home, in your congregation, and in your community. Give your heart and commitment to a young lady. Uh, you don't have to ask or demand that from her. As Christ has given that for us, he waits patiently uh, for us to respond to him. And so as you do that, sometimes you do that kind of in secret. Don't get too emotionally involved. But if you do that, wait on her. And if there's something that doesn't work out, don't think the end of the world has come. Stand for truth. Be a real man. Take a biblical stand on issues. Read and pray and keep your heart and mind on the scriptures, and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, a deep faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hear what the Bible is talking to you about. Be a spiritual and moral leader, especially in the dating relationship. Do not make her carry the conscience for the behaviors during courtship. Okay? Did you hear that? Don't make her, young men, carry the conscience for you during courtship. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. Taking heed to the word of God. 
Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Sometimes just a moment of gratification can be a lifelong of regret. Share your vision with your girlfriend to see if it's a vision you together are willing to follow. I asked my wife not long after we were recording that if she is willing to be a minister's wife, and I'm not sure what she would say today. I've drug her around all over the place. I hope she would still say yes. There was a calling there. But if there's something there, share it. If you have a vision for missions, if you have a vision for a certain thing, share it. And if there's no compatibility, then it's okay. Learn friendship. These things are happened during friendship. Uh, focus on things like this. And uh, rather than the emotional thing and the physical thing is not to be until after marriage, but the spiritual things, the, the things that uh, matter the most. Earn her trust before marriage because it's very difficult to earn it after marriage. Guard her heart and her reputation. Guard her character, young men, in honor. Sometimes she will be vulnerable. Protect her when she's being taken advantage of. At moments, uh, she's a weaker vessel. Respect her, and she will know that you truly love her. Value her opinions. God can speak to you through her. She will have talents that you don't have. She will have intuitions that you don't have. Most of the men here that are married could say that. Give her space to be herself. She is an individual created by God. She is not your property. Do not be over-possessive, but be genuinely committed. Be in love with your heart and not her body. Be in love with her heart and not her body. Bodies are everywhere. Hearts are unique. Hearts grow in beauty and grace. Bodies fade in time. Love is a gift from God. Accept it graciously. Give it freely. Now when we think of young sisters, we think of integrity for young sisters. How many times, I was uh, thinking about that this afternoon, girls, you know, young girls. Uh, we don't, uh, we, when we talk about sisters, we think of a school teacher or something like that maybe or somebody older. But you know, when you look at girls in the Bible, how many times is the word girl found in the Bible? Anyone? One time. One time. And I'm not going to tell you where it's at. You'll have to look. Riddle, okay? Homework. Young girls, invest time in the word. Be respectful to the men in your life, and it will be noticed by your boy that you've befriended or he's befriended you. Always be modest in dress and behavior. I like to see when there's a, not just young sisters, but older sisters and men as well that have good hygiene, hygienically clean, neat, not vain. I'm not talking about vanity. All kinds of painted up things and jewelry and, and, and uh, those, uh, I think these things are clasped around their wrists now as a real big thing and these fine rings and things and, and uh, it's, those things are not the thing that really is going to, if you want beauty, it'll come out from the inside. That's what you want. Remember young sisters and even older ones, dress yourself in a way and conduct yourself in a way that you would desire other women to do that in front of your husband or boyfriend, okay? Is that generous enough? Dress and conduct your way in any way that you would want other women to do in front of your friend and, or your husband. And that will keep us in check a lot. Maintain absolute integrity in personal life. Not forward, not bold, but in submission to authority that God has placed over you. If you cannot be submissive to a godly father, how, young sister, are you going to be submissive to a godly husband? The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 1, to uh, honor your father and mother, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live all on the earth. Well, verse 1, it says, obey your father and mother, for this is right. Yes. 
And so uh, remember that. Be discreetly friendly without being inappropriate. There's a fine line for sisters to walk. There's a reserve. There is not being rude. I have seen where young girls were taught so much not to have anything to do with the young guys that it almost was a rude thing. But the thing of it is, in growing up and coming through adolescence, it's, young people are under pressure. Young people have a lot of things to work through. I understand that. But the thing of reserve, there can be a modest reserve and discretion without being rude. And I think that is something that will speak volumes to a young man. I do believe that. How many young men appreciate that? They like it. They don't want to put their hand up too high because they think there's possibilities there or something. I don't know. Require men to be honest and to prove themselves. If you really have a girl in mind and there is a time of proving, don't think she's being too hard on you. If she's worth having, she's worth proving for, okay? Never forget that. Do not give your heart to every man that shows you affection or any attention. Find your security in God. Have a good relationship with your father if you can. That would be great. Do not try to be the mother over your boyfriend. Because if you do and you happen to get married, you'll wind up being his mother for the rest of your life. Guard your emotions. Guard your emotions, young sisters. Do not get involved in an intimate conversation too soon. There may be times, I don't know, upon discretion, maybe in time of engagement for some of that, but not before, perhaps. Do not flirt, but be friendly. Uh, I have seen young men open the door for ladies, which I feel is very appropriate. It's a, it's a, it's a southern gentleman. I'm sure you do that here. There's no doors here. It's open. Uh, uh, you know, but when I see that, that can be done in a discreet way without being flirty. And uh, it's something that's it's, uh, it's a congeniality without being come onish. Uh, it can be done. And so uh, be friendly but secure in God. Relax, be yourself. God made you unique. There is only one you, and God made you special for a specific task. Now, there are some enemies to relationships I'd like to share. I've talked to the young boys and young girls a little bit, just a little bit. There's some enemies to relationships, and you must determine where you stand, and nail down in your mind and your thought process, in your faith-based system that you have, where are you going to be and what decisions are you going to make when these things arrive. I would say that probably one of the best things to do is stay away from movies. Stay away from movies. Uh, can I share that? Just my heart tonight. I think that is something that has led a lot of young people in a way they shouldn't have gone. Romantic novels is another one. Video games. What about professional sports taking off and going to, uh, I don't know where your ball stadiums are. I don't even, I don't know what the ball team's names are. Uh, the players, don't even ask me what they are in Kansas City or Missouri. I don't know. But I do know the disciples' names. There's so many young men these days that have the push for sports. I enjoy playing ball and volleyball. And I give it my all when I play. Everything I've got. But you know what? When we're done playing... One has a higher score, but we both won. The competition is something that's going to make young men, your girlfriend, very uneasy, and it's going to militate against your relationship. It's not a good thing. And so guard against that. There's nothing against, I don't have anything against, maybe the others here do, I don't know, playing a good ball game and a good volleyball game, but when it becomes the type of thing where there's leagues and there's going out, and, you know, we've got to go every free evening for practice. And then Saturdays, we're going all day. And your girlfriend happens to ride along and, and, or stay at home. And, and, and she's disappointed at that, really, deep down. I believe she is. If not, you'll drag her along. She'll be sitting in some hot stadium at 111 degrees all afternoon. And is that the way that you want to start out, young girls, with a man like that? I'll tell you, if you don't see those things before you're married, it'll be heartache after Heartache. So anyway, I think I'm going to close with that. I know that, uh, that there is uh, more that could be said. There is a verse that I would like to share yet, two verses tonight in closing. And just as uh, the Solomon writer had uh, wrote, and I'd like to read those verses in Proverbs 30, in verse 18 and 19. 
There are three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four, which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, and the way of a serpent on a rock, and the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and yea, the fourth, the way of a man with a maid. May God bless you, and a threefold cord with God is not easily broken. Let's pray. Bow our heads in prayer tonight in the name of Jesus. We come before you, God. We thank you for your interest in this assembly tonight. We thank you for your interest in these young people. And I pray tonight that you would be with each one of them. I pray a special blessing upon them and dedicate them for your service, Lord. And there's so many opportunities that you give us in this time of freedom, this window of opportunity that we have in our Bible schools and we have mission fields and so forth to go and, and involve in things. And when, when the time is right, I believe, God, that you will show these young men, these young girls, when it is time to, to come together. And if it's not, if you have something else for them, that you would give them that grace to be single and guide them and help them to understand that this is a calling. And if it's a calling, Lord, you will supply their needs, O oh Father. So, God, would you just bless them? We dedicate them to your service. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them. Guard them from harm and danger, sin and evil, or making wrong choices. Choices that may feel good to the flesh for the moment, but there's lifelong regrets. And so tonight, I pray for them. Would you just take them and use them in this tender time? And mold them. Oh God, we are so grateful. This is a tremendous gift you've given to us as a church, a body of Christ, to have these exuberant, young, tender, conscientious young people. Guard them, Father, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to give a brief altar call. If you've been here tonight, keep your eyes, your head bowed, your eyes closed. I'm going to ask the brother for a song. Maybe we'll sing two verses of a song. Tonight, if you, have, if you have been involved in a courtship relationship that has not been right, maybe it's uh, something that's happened and you, you have a lot of regrets. Tonight, you can bring that up. You can bring that for the Lord. And uh, just not even take it out of the bag you're dragging around. Maybe it's haunted you for many years. Just leave it with the Lord. Your burdens are lifted at Calvary. Just leave it with the Lord. Tonight, it's not maybe just young people. Maybe we've been married 30, 40, 50 years, and we have baggage that we've never let go of. Maybe there's regrets, things that have never been repented of. Tonight, you can have freedom. Let's have a song, brother. Have thine own way, Lord. Yes. Have thine own way, Lord. Is there anyone tonight? Tonight, you can be free. If there's something that has been bothering you for many, many years, or maybe last week, just come forward. Just be uninhibited about it. There's, just come forward. Is there anyone? Another one. Have thine own way. You think it's too shameful. My friends, it's a shame to carry it. Your brothers and sisters will rally around you. And God is waiting with his arms held out open wide. And there's power in the blood of Jesus. Is there anyone tonight? I just want to give you that opportunity tonight. Okay. Thank you, brother. You can stay here if you want to. You can all stand for prayer. I believe you've been faithful. If you have not, uh, God can do a work with you outside of this tent. And we trust you're honest with him. His spirit is uh, sharp. It's powerful. And it's also very comforting. And so tonight I want to wish you God's blessings as we depart. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless us together. As we depart, Lord, keep each one in the hollow of your hand as they travel home. Oh God, I pray that each one would be protected and that they could raise their families and their children. If they don't have families, that they are, are involved in the ministry of the church in some way, Lord, bless them as well. I know of sisters here tonight that have blessed the kingdom in a tremendous way. 
widowed or single, Lord. Tonight, I pray that you would bless them in their work. Perhaps there's a widower here that uh, would you supply their need as well. Father, I just pray that you would sanctify each one here uh, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Keep them in your care and peace. We pray in the worthy name of Jesus as we depart. Amen.